teaching friends from across the country. Who've discovered that if you don't laugh, you cry and lose sight of your why. I'm Retta. I'm Deanne. I'm Tracy. And I'm Kathy. And we teach so hard. We are so excited to welcome you to our first book group discussion of the summer of 2020. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> well, I know, cue the music, right? That's right. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about Untamed by Glennon Doyle. So fasten your seatbelts, listeners, because this book will rock your world. behind this book choice and I love this book and I hope you guys did too. The reason I chose it was because I saw this Instagram video by Elizabeth Gilbert and I follow her and love Elizabeth Gilbert. I adore her. So I figured anything she adores and is recommending, I would love too. (laughs) So what were your first impressions about the book? Well, and well, Tracy, Tracy, it's funny that you said that about Elizabeth Gilbert because I can't remember which chapter it was in, but you know she's talking about her friend Liz, and yeah. it later comes out that's who it is is Elizabeth Gilbert, and I thought, oh, yes, no wonder yes. I love them because I do I like you love Elizabeth Gilbert so, mm-hmm. and, and Elizabeth Doyle. Elizabeth Gilbert was how I first heard of Glennon Doyle. But what led me to this book was scrolling through Facebook and I found, you know how all the singers are doing those at home concerts? Yes. Yes. Well, I scrolled past Glennon Doyle, recognized her right away in this fabulous girly frilly sweater with a blanket over her on the couch reading. And so I clicked on it and it turned out it was a video of her doing a read aloud of the chapter called Attendance in this book. Mm-hmm. Oh. Two and a half pages, really short. It it just hit me in my core. I loved her voice, and I loved what she had to say. We'll talk about that chapter later. But I just loved I loved listening to her read this, and I said I have to have that book. Immediate gratification on Kindle. And then when I saw the gorgeous cover, and we said we were talking about it anyway, I had to hold it in my hands. So I have oh, it in two, wow. I have it on Kindle. I have it in my hands, and I also listen to it when I go on my morning walks. I have it on audio. Yes, <laughs> is the that cover, overkill? The cover is gorgeous. It's it reminds gorgeous. me of like all of these like um, nail polish colors, right? Spilled no, like out cord, onto cord paint. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, it's beautiful. It's well, amazing. It reminds me a lot of all of your um, your product covers, Tracy. Oh, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Glitter and that would be a gorgeous product cover. It would be. Well, I gotta say, I think like I when I was reading this, do you guys remember that I texted you all when I started it? And I was at the prologue called Cheetah, right? Yeah. yeah and yes. she's talking about the cheetah run at um at the zoo right? And how sad she found it to be. Um, Because this cheetah is, you know, being treated and trained like it's a pet. But when the, when the trainer's back is turned, she can see the cheetah's instincts still there. And she looks at it as a metaphor. And I remember texting you guys because the quote at the end of the prologue, you are a goddamn cheetah. 
<laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, okay, I need this. I need to keep reading this because she's talking about a friend who says, I should be grateful. I have a good life. I have, you know, it's crazy. I, I, I shouldn't want more than what I have. And I was so all her examples of that over and over in the book, yeah. like the book. I mean, I, I didn't want to put it down because I just want, she's such a great, beautiful writer that I wanted to keep reading. But at the same time, I needed time to process after each chapter because there was so yes. much, so yes. much there. I mean, this, this whole was book is truly, like marked up. it was a book to savor. It really mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. And to read again, I'm on my third read of it. Yeah. <laughs> You're so, amazing. <laughs> I'm reading other things, but I keep going back to this because basically this is a memoir, but when you read a memoir, usually you're hearing somebody else's story, right? Right. But but when Glennon tells her stories, she's telling pieces of your story too. You can recognize pieces of your own story uh, in there. Absolutely. I think that's why I um, loved it so much. And I know we'll get more into this as we get in further into this podcast episode. But um, I just kept thinking about uh, the words that kept coming to my my mind were authenticity mm-hmm. and and reality. You know, are you are, I just I don't know. I had goosebumps reading it. I had a lot of ahas. It take it takes some people. It takes people different amounts of time to become their authentic selves. And this book will help you explore that. And what else do you have to do this summer, right? Right. No kidding. (laughs) Well, you know, Doyle's four keys are like unlocking the door to transformation. Here, first key, feel it all, really spoke to me about the importance of not numbing our feelings. Mm -hmm. And... I thought of a recipe that Tracy helped me out with, I have to say. <laughs> and it is watermelon feta salad. Yum. And to me, Yum. you know, picture a hot, humid day and you just bite into this, you know, feta cheese, watermelon and cubes, onion, vinegar, honey, sesame seeds, shocked Ooh. mint. <laughs> mm. I can really feel it. And it's just going to awaken your senses. You know, why would you want a bland emotional existence? You don't, right? Right. Right. And there's nothing shy or bland about this salad. So or the book. definitely have <laughs> right. to try it. Yes. True. It goes perfectly. <laughs> so one of the things I should mention before we go on to the next segment is Deanne is going to be talking as we talk about the book. She's going to be sharing recipes that could go with the four keys that, um, that Glennon talks about in her book and those recipes, you can find them on our blogs um, because we really worked hard to kind of pair a recipe with each one of those segments in Glennon's book. Um, So now we we've got our first impressions out. Let's talk about how this book is organized because, and how that organization influences the overall message of the book. I'm curious to see what your thinking is about that. Well, I always love books that have interesting titles, you know, that I mean, title, chapter titles, not just chapter one, chapter two. And the way that she organized this book, well, the prologue got me right away, exactly what you said about the cheetah, Tracy. Um, And then the next section, there are more in parts. So part one is called Caged. 
Part two is keys. Part three is free. And then there's an epilogue that kind of just closes it together. But then within each of those parts, I mean, it's so her, her writing, she just shares all kinds of little excerpts from her life. But again, like you were saying, Retta, I mean, I was so relating to so many of them. Absolutely. Um, And they all just have like one word or two words, which catch your eye, like Apple, Mm -hmm. uh, blowjobs, (laughs) algorithm. (laughs) Yeah, that one got my attention. Uh (laughs) As as I was tracking through my neighborhood. I mean, it, it draws you in just yeah. from that standpoint alone. Um, right. I loved the section. I'm flipping through it as we're talking right now, in fact, because I have so many things marked up here. Um, but yeah. in part one, that caged section mm-hmm. you know, really gets you to stop and think back on what kind of cages are we in? So what does society put on us? What does our family put on us? Um and I was even thinking we put on us, right? We, ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Ourselves. And those are the hardest ones to get out of. Yeah. Do you know, as I was listening to that, that chapter, I kept thinking about how many of the cages, cause it's kind of too late for me to go back and have a whole new life. She got a whole new life at 40. And so I'm a lot older than that. And I, was, <laughs> and I, but, but the, and I don't want a new life. I, I love my life actually, but, but I was thinking, you know, along the years growing up and, you know, and as a young person and um, a starting teacher, I not only got right into the sca- the cages with a smile on my face, I helped to decorate them. I painted them. I got a stronger <laughs> lock for some of them, you know. Um, and I, I think that women are, are guilty of that in, you know, in many ways. Um, it isn't like these... She she kind of painted a picture of um, men being more sinister and evil than I think of them. Um, I don't think men necessarily build these cages for us. I think they make the cages available and we just kind of climb in and say, okay. Well, I also <laughs> think, though, I think men have their own cages that they are put in. Right. Humans, humans yeah. build their own cages. That's true. And cages for each other. I agree. Um yeah, just the, I think, but as women are the expectations that society has of us are very intense and can be very different than the, the expectations that are thrust upon men. And sometimes, you know, our expectations, the expectations that are out there, the cages is, you know, you will get married, you will have two and a half children, <laughs> you will have a career you will be and if of the year and, and if you're a teacher yeah most the fact that most teachers are women isn't an accident right and you know if you're a teacher this is even more pronounced i think and that's mostly our, the greatest part of our audience so yes yes absolutely I think my favorite section of this book was the keys. Um, I really gravitated toward that. And she she talks about four keys because they're behaviors. They're things that you can do, you can engage in to be able to take steps towards the transformation. And Deanne told us the first key in the last segment. Um, the first one is feel it all. And she tells the story of, of her addiction. She had problems with alcoholism and uh, you know, how we numb our feelings. There are different ways, you know, my favorite way is food. 
yeah. and yeah. exercise. <laughs> How's that for a mixed bag? Well, um, at least you have I think to exercise right. then. <laughs> yeah, but, but when I say exercise, I mean like, you know, I'm going to go out and do six or seven miles today instead of yeah. a three-mile walk. So, you know, and then the second key was be still and know, which I think is one of my favorites. And then dare to imagine and build and burn. And I, I love just, the last one. Let it burn. Yes. <laughs> Let it burn. Yes. Well, and so she says in that chapter, she says destruction is essential to construction. Yes. And that's a scary thing for most of us. Yes. yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's a good one. Yeah. You know, before we started, it makes reminds me of what we were talking about before we started recording. For our listeners, we were talking about anagrams and, and what our numbers are. And I was taking an online test and one of a lot of the questions had to do with how important is it for you to feel secure? How important is that sense of safety or protection? And that's a cage we build for ourselves too. Um, and it, it keeps the fire out. That's a fireproof cage. It, it does, but it also keeps the growth out. <laughs> right. Yes. right. Yes. And I think you talk about cages. I mean, I think our parents, women, you know, grandmothers, grandmoms and everything, they, they were more in cages than we are. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The chapter memos. I wasn't even going to talk about that chapter, Deanne, but in the chapter memos, they said, you know, when they put a baby in your arms at the hospital, you, the parents get a memo, right? So the grandmother's memo, here's the baby, take it home and let it grow. Let it speak when spoken to, carry on with your lives, right? Mm -hmm. Your mother's memo, here's your baby. This is like in the 50s, 50s, 60s. Take her her home and then get together each day with your friends who also have these things. Babies, whatever. (laughs) Drink drink tab before four o'clock and wine coolers after. Smoke cigarettes and play cards, or maj. Lock the kids out of the house and let them in only to eat and sleep, right? When the streetlights come on, I'll see you later. But here, here's our memo. And this is the memo Glennon felt trapped in. Here's your baby. This is the moment you have been waiting for your entire life. When the hole in your heart is filled and you finally become complete. If after I put this child in your arms, you sense anything other than utter fulfillment, Seek counseling immediately. Yes. <laughs> right? After you ha- after you hang up with the counselor, call a tutor. Since we've been speaking for three minutes, your child is already behind. Have you registered her for Mandarin classes yet? <laughs> oh, I see. You know, and she, go- she goes on and on. And I remember bringing my first child home from the hospital. And there was a nursery school called Beth Hayella at House of the Child. And the, and the child had been breathing barely 72 hours. I don't know. And there were people calling and asking me if I had registered her yet at Beth and Yellen. Oh, uh-huh. yes. oh, please. Yeah. And, and like I said, you find yourself in every chapter. Well, you, you, know, you, know, you know, when you said that, and that was so true that if you're not married, you know, you know you're, or you're not going to get married, you don't have a kid, you're missing something in your life. And I think um, women have had to get over that. You know, because mm-hmm. that's not so. 
I don't think women are over that as someone who's not married and someone who doesn't have kids. In fact, I was saying this to another single and childless friend of mine just today, um, earlier today when we were talking, and we were talking about work expectations and how it seems to be that we are the people who keep stepping up over and over and over again because everyone else is, oh, my baby, oh, my husband, oh, my child, oh, my family. You know, and I, I get to a point where I resent that. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely, you know, I, I, I kind of yeah. don't care because I have things that are important to me too. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and your, new, you have, your new answer is let it burn. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a match? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love well, it. When I was reading the let it burn part too, I mean, immediately, I guess because of the time we're in, I was thinking about the protests yes. that are going yeah. on right now, right? For Black Lives Matter. And just mm-hmm. we've come to where we need things to burn down in order for us. It took this much for the world to finally pay attention or, you know what I mean? And to right. and to finally get things being passed in legislature or being brought up to the table, even where people take it seriously enough. Right. Um, right. Yes. So it wasn't even just like a, a personal life with my family kind of thing. It was society. Let it burn. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that this organizational structure that she did with this book, you know, the cage, the keys, free and then human. I think it's a journey of transformation. Yes. Every step of the way, because, because before you can have the keys and recognize your feelings and be still and imagine and build and burn, and then transformed as something that's freer than what you were before, you have to recognize that you're caged. You have to recognize your, um, passive unhappiness, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. It's true. Yes. Well, in that, um, in that, in the section, um, my gosh, what section is it? At the free, the section of free, there's a chapter called bases. And I love this because she said, what if we let ourselves feel it all? What if we decided that it is strength, not weakness to let other people's pain pierce us? What if we stopped our lives and the world for things that are worth stopping for? Mm. And I thought, wow, that's, this is it. <laughs> well, there's a yeah. lot of things like that I have marked up in here, but. Well, it reminds me of the memoir she talked about with her daughter being um, upset about the polar bears, right? Yeah. And, oh my gosh. I mean, yes. and, and we as adults go along and yep, the polar bears are endangered. Yep. Yep, their habitat's shrinking. Yep, their habitat's warming. They're not. They're starving. They're this. They're that. We've all seen those horrible images online, and we momentarily feel bad about it. And we do. But the, her daughter couldn't sleep at night, and oh. and we look at it and all the innocence, the naivety, the naivete of a child. But no, this is a child who has a conscience that we've lost. Yes. Mm-hmm. So very sad, you know. But what really got her. What, you know, she was ready to get rid of the polar bear thing. She nourished her, her child and encouraged her for only so long at bedtime every night. Yes. But she wanted to just get the heck out of there and get to the sofa and her glass of wine. And she said, you know, in her own book or TV show or whatever, and she, she, she was done with it. She gets to the door and her daughter says something to her like, like right now it's the polar bears. But what I'm really worried about is next, it will be us. 
Yeah. Mm. Wow. And boy, that brought her right, brought Glennon right yeah. back to the table. Absolutely. Smart child. <laughs> it also mm-hmm. made me wonder um, about, you know, Greta Thunberg. Is it Thunberg? Thunberg? Yes. yes. Right. Uh-huh. I just, I always wonder about her parents, like what kind of parents she has that have allowed her to feel and to do something about it and not say, okay, well, that's nice. That's enough. It's enough now. Yeah, you know? I have allowed her to have that voice. Yes. Yes. Her parents have already gone through all of the transformations, I'm guessing. And, you know, Sounds they're, like it. they're able, their own freedom allows her to have free, freedom of thought. Yes. And probably the things that they did with her got her to feel that way, you know, to be so caring about everything. And, you know, but not just to care, but then like, I'm going to do something about it. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, anyway, um, should we go on to the second key (laughs) and the recipe? All right. Uh, Be still and know. This kind of reminded me a little bit of my Qigong practice where you're doing these slow moves and you're meditating as you're doing them. Mm-hmm. And I have another wonderful recipe for you and it's called Greek lemon chicken soup. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know that when you get sick, nothing calms you and quiets you like, you know, chicken soup. Well, this is an original comfort food and chopping and simmering helps empty your mind. It's almost like a meditation. And when your mind is calm, the knowing bubbles to the surface but there's things in it like chicken, of course, um, cloves of garlic, carrots, lemon. I haven't, I've never had lemon in it. Egg yolks. Yeah. Oh. It's so creamy, awesome. wonderful in the rice. Um, it's a Greek oh. staple here in the area where Retta and I live. And it's- there are lots of restaurants that serve it. You don't even have to make your own, but it yeah. really oh. is meditative. <laughs> And comforting to just make your own sometimes. Yeah. I, there's something spiritual to me about making soup. I know for some people that's how they feel about bread, but I feel the same <laughs> about soup. Same. So, and you guys in Michigan have some great recipe. What, what was that? What, what did we have last summer? That thing that we had never had before. That was that type was- of restaurant. Too. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Pasties. But do you remember on the way home, we had, we had a, we teach so hard field trip last summer. Was that yes. ever fun? And we were all out of our houses, out of our, Oh my gosh. Oh, we were free. Geez. Remember when we were free? Yes. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, we did, we sampled pasties for dinner uh, on the way there. But Deanne, remember that restaurant on the way back where we had, um, Greek food. I don't know, yeah. chicken finger sandwiches or souvlaki yes. or something. And yes. um, they have that soup there too. It's a very, it's Greek restaurant and they are all over Michigan. Mm, yeah. They're wonderful. They're called, they call mm. them conies mm-hmm. for some Our reason, conies. but it's usually Greek food. Ah, So we said before that this book is part memoir, part kind of self-help. So let's talk um, about some of the memoirs that really stuck with you. Well, they all did. This yeah. is really hard. <laughs> but but before before we were online, because I was thinking of somebody that I know, um, the chapter and it and it was the chapter that Glennon read. I'm just going to stick with that on attendance. And uh, it ha- it happened in the middle of her divorce, 
And she was like really worried that her life and her children's lives were basically her children's lives were going to crash and burn because of what she was doing to them by leaving their father, by following her authentic self, you know, and wanting to be with a person that she was truly in love with. And she really felt we have a, a Jewish Yiddish word for that, but shared. she really felt that, 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 um, Abby was her Beshert. And um, she didn't know that, but that's what it was. Anyway, um, she was she was worried about that. And, and um, the way she explained this is, is that she's like the attendant on the airplane, and the airplane's experiencing a great deal of turbulence. The reason that this um, resonated with me so much was that last December, I was on um, a, a plane coming back from overseas, and it was a long flight. And I didn't expect the turbulence, right? You're traveling in December and there are all these storms and high winds and I didn't expect it to be turbulent and I thought it was going to be peaceful. And, you know, and I was sleeping on the plane and the plane was just like dropping, like, you know, really huge drops and it was going crazy. And I was quite frightened and I was trying not to scream in terror, but I was frightened. And the attendant came over and sat with me. Um, and, and she said, why, why are you frightened? And I said, I'm frightened because of what's happening to the plane. Do you think we're going to make it? And she said, this happens all the time. Of course, I know how it feels. And, and she said it, it, the way it feels is not the way it is. Mm. And we're all going to be fine because she says, I do this every day. This is just a little turbulence. Mm -hmm. It's not going, turbulence doesn't take the plane down. She said that. And in the chapter about attendance, it it is where, you know, Glennon said, you have to be the one who is going to know that turbulence isn't taking the plane down and you help the people around you to ride it out to get through it. And that's how she knew she would be able to do the best for her children. Because although their life was going to be a little turbulent for a while, she knew she was going to be able to land them safely in their new happier life. I felt so hopeful too, just the relationship that her ex-husband has and just the way that they've embraced their new family dynamics. I mean, it just, isn't that amazing? Oh, I just loved it. I loved it. Um, one of the chapters, of course there were a gazillion, but that I, that resonated a lot with me actually just as a mom was the chapter on Elmer's. Mm-hmm. And on that one, she says, and I laughed, she said for a very long while, my athletic goal for my children was mediocrity. I wanted them to learn enough about sports to avoid embarrassing themselves in gym class, but not enough to become talented and ruin my weekends. And I laughed because that was me. And, you know, people would always ask, well, why don't you put your kids in sports? And I'm thinking, because I don't want to give up my Saturdays. And then I thought, so much of me, you know, but then she talks about how, you know, once her daughter and um, once her partner and her ex-husband were on board with like, well, let's have, you know, our daughter, um, try out for the soccer team. And meanwhile, Glennon's doubting it and thinking, you know, oh my gosh, can she do it? I need to protect her. I need to keep protecting her. And it ends up being this amazing experience. And she says, the fact that I didn't save my daughter from soccer, like jumping in to save all the time, you know, save right. my daughter. Yes. Talks yeah. about 
Her daughter is the Elmer's glue that sticks the team together because she has these leadership qualities. And it was just, it made me just think about not only my own kids, but just our students too. Like, do we jump in and try to save them too much? Do we push them enough? Do we, Mm -hmm. you know, let them be free? (laughs) So, right. I love too. How about you, Tracy? My favorite one was the no. Um, she, you know, she talks about getting the card from a friend and at the, on the front of the card in big thick letters, it says, be still and know. And she says, I've, I'd read that verse many times before, but it struck me freshly this time. It didn't say pull your friends and know, or read books by experts and know, or scour the internet and know. It suggested a different approach to knowing. Just stop, stop moving, stop talking, stop searching, stop panicking, stop flailing. If you just stop doing you'll start knowing. And mm-hmm. I, it reminded me of like learning how to swim, right? And the fear that you have or that I have, I, I'm not an expert swimmer and I hate swimming, but <laughs> learning was really stressful for me. And so I can't see, you know, at that, those were before the times that goggles were good and I was blind as a bat and I can't wear my glasses in the pool. So it was yeah. very, just, I couldn't see anything. Um, and the flailing and, and, and I can't breathe and I'm going to inhale water and I'm going to get it up my nose. And, oh my God. Yes. You know, all of that feeling and oh my God, my butt looks big in my swimsuit because I think I was born that way. But, um, you know, that whole thing of, if you just lay back and float, you'll figure it out. And you um, know what? If she knew my granddaughter, I have to put this in here. One of my six granddaughters. Um, we took her swimming a long time ago. She's in high school now, but she at the time was two years old and I was in the middle of the pool coming to her. She was on the side. She just gotten, I thought she was getting out and going to, to her papa, but she decided to come back in. She stood on the side. She put both arms up at like a V in front of her and she screamed, catch me and jumped. And she didn't look first to see who will catch her. Where mm-hmm. will she land? Is it safe? Am I scared? No, just scream, catch me and jumped. And she was fine. I got over there like a second after she went under and pulled her up and she was laughing. <laughs> that's the that's the attitude we want to have. Catch it me. Is. And it reminds me, you know, my mom used to, they used to live on a second floor flat with this long staircase going down to the ground. And I rode my tricycle down there. And my down mother had a coronary. Down the stairs. Down the yes, stairs. I, oh was, I was three years old. Oh and I rode it down the stairs. And she came tearing down the stairs into the sidewalk. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was laughing hysterically and wanted to do it again. Her heart was in her throat, but I <laughs> yeah, yeah. had the time of my life. And so when she asks the question in the book, what happened to me? Where did that go? Uh, right. Where did that go? I got to tell you, I was never, up. never that kind of kid. I never made my parents worry for one second. Oh. I just, I was busy <laughs> polishing the cage. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so boy, that that's exciting. I love hearing life stories like that. <laughs> no, I spent every I spent the majority of my teenage years grounded. And so <laughs> oh no, no, no. Oh my gosh. I have to in all kinds of way of busting out of the cage. <laughs> 
So this book, I think the book was meaningful to both of us. So everybody, you guys have got to read this book because it's yes. so many levels, no matter what kind of a childhood or adulthood you may have had. Yes. Read it. Okay, Deanne, what's our third recipe? I can't wait to hear all this. Right. Well, it goes along with the third key, dare to imagine. <laughs> and it's all about asking yourself the question, why not me? And having the courage to dream of a new reality. So put your feet up, lean back with this cocktail while you contemplate new beginnings and have a rose sangria, oh, strawberries, wow. rose, mm, yum. <laughs> lemon, lime soda, limes, oh my God, sugar and mint. And don't forget the uh, rose wine. Oh, oh I'm ooh. making this one for sure. <laughs> I'm definitely going to make it. I copied these recipes. I have them right in my hand. <laughs> we're we're going to put them on maybe all of our blogs and yes. at least one or two. Yes, absolutely. So Sounds I have to good. say, this has been one of my favorite nonfiction books that I've read over the last three months. And we are almost out of time. So let's, let's kind of cut to the chase. And then we're going to give Deanne time to tell her fourth, her fourth recipe. Um, what is your number one takeaway from this book? Well, I think that mine is the moment in the book where she sees her, this woman who then became her wife and partner, um, and she looked at her and the words that came into her mind were, there she is. And to me, I've had pivotal moments like that where it's like something comes, out, this intuition comes out of nowhere. And I know with certainty that this direction is for me or this person is for me or, the, you know, that goal is for me. And I can't explain it except that I know, I know with every cell in my body that this is the direction I need to go. And so that to me was one of my favorite memoirs because I do believe um, that we need to listen to ourselves. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. What, and, and our number one take, oh my God, there's so many takeaways. <laughs> All right. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the one about touch trees mm. where imagine, you know, that you're in a forest and you, you, and you don't want to get lost. So mm -hmm. you hang on to this one tree. And then when you realize you've got to go look for water and food and a place to sleep, you just keep veering, you know, a little bit away from that tree, but you always come back to the tree so that you know, in case you get rescued, they know where to find you. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't want to just keep getting lost. So you keep coming back. And she likened that tree. It was an analogy for yourself that you have to be your own touch tree. Mm -hmm. That if you're in unfamiliar territory or, you know, you're expanding or developing yourself, you have to keep coming back to yourself, who you are, reach down inside yourself, like the roots of the tree. Mm -hmm. And 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 to ground you, you can't depend on another person. You've got to ground yourself. Mm -hmm. oh, there's so much too. Um, oh. I love that that chapter streams where she talked she first. I think talked about her um, organization called Together Rising, mm -hmm. and in there she quotes Archbishop Desmond Tutu. There comes a point where we need to stop just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out why they're falling. Yes. yes I love that. Yes. Yeah. I kept coming back to that, you know, like how do we help people without just enabling and how, 
you know, how do we stay true to ourselves while we do that? I just love that. Well, Deanne, I know you've got one more recipe for us. What is it? Well, Doyle's fourth key is build and burn. So before we can let go of old habits um, and build new, um, we have to like burn things down, like, like getting rid of them. And um, we need to make space for the new things by doing that. So um, we have this recipe called Peach Melba Pavlova. And it's a time-consuming recipe, but aren't you worth it? Yeah. It has yeah. dessert. Oh, hell it's yeah. Got, <laughs> it's, it's, made, it's got meringues. Um, it's got a bourbon caramel sauce. Mm. Oh. Sounds wonderful. Oh my Pinch of salt, and it's got whipping cream. Oh. And it just sounds some, like something that's going to totally melt up. in your mouth. Who's making it? Sign me up. Yes. You light, yeah. you light yeah. it on fire, Dan? <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't think you light it on fire. No. Do you? you could. No. You totally could. No, you don't, but I bet you could. could. Yep. That, that yep. sauce yep. would burn. Yeah, bourbon in it. Yes, let's make an interesting recipe. Maybe I'll take a video on on my blog of me making this particular recipe, (laughs) and I'll light it. it You're gonna burn it. All right. (laughs) Oh, let's see. What what can I what can I burn? Right. (laughs) Yes. Right. That's right. (laughs) All right. Well, we are so glad, lovely listeners that you joined us today. We hope you join us next week. Um, We are going to be talking about remote learning apps, websites, and resources that will help you keep your sanity in your virtual classroom um, over the summer and into the next school year. If you like what you hear, give us a shout out on your listening platform, rate us, leave us a comment, give us an idea for some, some episode um, ideas. We'd love to hear from you. Um, In the meantime, we can't wait to see you next week. And um, thank you for teaching so hard.